You're listening to Comedy Central. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My guest tonight is an amazing writer at The Atlantic who helped produce a special commemorative issue of the magazine called King, a look at the life and legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. Please welcome Van Newkirk. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Man, I've been a fan of your writing for so long. You touch on so many different topics, you know, from Black Panther through to uh, racism in America, the Second Amendment. One of the more interesting uh, conversations that I, I, I got started because of your writing was specifically about teachers being armed. And you argued that in, in its very essence, it goes against the Second Amendment. Why, why would you make that argument? Yeah, so it, the Second Amendment is supposed to be this thing that... Uh, protects people from the government. The whole right. entire ethos of it is you get people, you give them guns, and you give them guns so they can build a militia but to protect themselves against tyranny. Right. And so you have teachers who are state agents, right, paid by the state, who are taking care of our kids, who have sometimes done bad things to those kids, and you're giving them guns. Uh, so especially in Florida, you have a right, guy right. who was known to use the N-word with his students and was suspended for doing it. You give that guy a gun. Right. What? That's a tyrannical government. Yeah. I, I never thought of that as an idea. I go, like, but, you know, it's, it's one of those ideas where people go, like, this seems like a good idea because everything leads to more guns. You go, like, just give the people more guns, and then it solves the guns. Because if everyone has a gun, right. then I guess it means no one has a gun. I don't know how it works. Well, I give my gun a gun. Yeah, you give your gun a yeah. gun. Mm-hmm. That's the most important, because guns don't kill people. Right. People kill people. What so about guns give the, killing guns? I, I don't think a gun has ever... A gun has killed a gun. I saw that in a movie once. The gun shot the gun and the gun... Yeah. No one talks about gun-on-gun violence. <laughs> you, 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 you have an interesting way of looking at the world, and this issue of The Atlantic, I think, uh, looks at Martin Luther King from so many different places and through so many different lenses, which I really found interesting. Martin Luther King is one of those figures in America that I've always felt is mythologized and oftentimes misunderstood. And it feels like you've captured that in this article. Why did you think it was necessary to have an entire article about Martin Luther King Jr.? So what we want to do is challenge people. You know, we want people to read every single article in this issue and come away thinking about something new. Right. Something they had never thought about, something they never even fathomed about Dr. King. And, And what that does as a whole is so many times politicians bring up, or people who have an agenda bring up Dr. King. They quote the dream speech. They, they do the same thing, okay? He wants us to live in a colorblind society where our kids can go to school together. They quote this one part, but they don't quote the part about him being against the Vietnam War. They don't say uh, his, his uh, speech, his letter from Birmingham jail, 
where he talks about the white moderate and nobody asks themselves, am I the white moderate? Right. So nobody, everybody now is pro King and not racist, but nobody's reading King now for how to be anti-racist. It's interesting that you say that because there was a specific article or piece of it that, that connected with me written by you in this, and it was specifically about the idea of Martin Luther King and his assassination. And you say here, in the official story told to children, King's assassination is the transformational tragedy in a victorious struggle to overcome. But in the true accounting, his assassination was one of a host of reactionary assaults by a country against the revolution. And those assaults were astonishingly successful. Yeah. That's an interesting point of view, because many people feel like Martin Luther King being assassinated was the beginning of the great journey that got black people to where they needed to be. And you're arguing that it ended a revolution that was starting. How, how do you prove that or why do you believe that? So I remember when I was in school and I had a teacher who told me straight up that the civil rights movement was victorious, that right. we won, that we, we won. And what I could never reconcile was how did we win if Dr. King was assassinated while protesting? How did we win the civil rights movement? How are we victorious if while protesting for higher wages for sanitation workers in Memphis, he was assassinated and right. his poor people's movement was derailed? So I always want to revisit that point. So when I wrote that essay, I was listening to Nina Simone's song, Why the King of Love is Dead. She right. wrote it three days after he was assassinated. And he, she's talking about will the country stand or fall? She's talking about a country that seemed then on the verge of an apocalypse. Right. And so I really wanted to go back to that moment and see how we get from that moment where, where you're talking about the end of the world, the black community in shambles and tears and, right. and, and unrest and riots, and how you go from there to here in 50 years and say we won. How does that happen? People would say, but Van, look at how much progress black people have made since Martin Luther King, surely things have gotten better. Black people on the up in America. Well, uh, some studies are sh showing that that may not be the case. So we, we've got some studies out from the Economic Policy Institute that are saying that black wealth, black homeownership rates, segregation in schools haven't gone anywhere in 50 years. So, in so 50 years? In 50 years. So, so what are we talking about here? We're, talk we're saying that the gap between blacks and whites now in terms of wealth is just so staggering that it's how do you even build policy to right. bridge that gap? Uh, education has risen, but our, our kids are now in schools that are as segregated as they were in 1970. So what are we talking about? That's, a, that's an interesting point of view. And I guess I know a lot of people argue back on that and they'll say, well, I mean, Obama became president, man. So, I mean, uh, that's, uh, that's progress, isn't it? Yeah, Obama was pre president uh, eight years, and now will we ever have another black president? <laughs> <laughs> will you ever have another president is the question I ask. <laughs> um, here, here's something that I, that I really connected with, and I guess because of South Africa's history and also because it is International Women's Day, is this beautiful quote in the, in the article. Women have been the backbone of the whole civil rights movement. This popular narrative of the civil rights movement too often relies on great men, the great men version of history. King, Malcolm X, Thurgood Marshall, uh, Stokely Carmichael, other names, you know, and it in ignores the importance of women who also organized and led the movement and shows how their contributions have been sidelined hidden in plain sight. That is a powerful narrative that many people forget. And that is, Coretta Scott King wasn't just a sidekick. She wasn't just the woman at home. Why do you think it's so important to acknowledge these women and what were they instrumental in doing in, in many movements? 
Yeah, I learned a lot reading that essay from, from Jean Theo Harris. Um, she was talking about Coretta, Coretta Scott King, and how Martin's development politically came from conversation with Coretta. So a lot of what he was doing was sort of mansplaining Coretta, right? He was going out and saying, okay, she was against the Vietnam War years before he was. Wow. She, when they were courting each other and in, 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 uh, in when they were still dating, she was the one who was sort of giving him these economic ideas, passing him along text about what to read and how to learn and grow. So you look at, if you look at Coretta, Coretta Scott King, not just as King's help me, as someone who was an activist in her own right, right, you start looking at just all these other women in the movement who did so much. Uh, Rosa Parks, who was an operative. We're taught in school that she was a tired old lady who sat down. She was out there, she built the same organizing structures that actually King relied on when he was doing the boycotts. Wow. Those were built by black women against sexual assault. That's powerful. The same things, yeah. And so when you, when you look at these stories, how do you think it plays out because Martin Luther King exists in a place where some people use him to stage a protest and others go, we should use him to sell trucks in America. Um, everyone sees him in a different light. If Martin Luther King were around today from what you have read and what you've learned, like how happy do you think he would be? Would he think people have reached a mountaintop? I think from reading him, his thing was never being satisfied with where we are because there's always space. The mountaintop in that speech wasn't the place where we need to be in terms of race. The mountaintop was having the vision to see where we needed to go. And I think that vision was that the, the road is ever everlasting. Right. The moral arc of the universe is, is always bending right. towards justice. And we bend it. So I, I think King would, he would be protesting regardless of whatever situation is on the ground right now in America, he will be protesting because that's what he does. That's what an activist does. They were always agitating. And so that's what I want people to take away from the magazine is that his activism was always ag agitating, was always moving forward and progressing. And, and you see in the last year of his life before he was assassinated, right. he sat down and thought, how do I move this forward? And he came forward with the most ambitious program to fight poverty to fight militarism and to fight racism across the globe. And that was King. That was King. It's an amazing article. Thank you so much for being here. It's an amazing issue of the Atlantic. King, the special commemorative issue of the Atlantic is on newsstands now through May. And you can go to theatlantic.com slash MLK to purchase a copy. Van Newkirk, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. <laughs> 